Well, I do. I just want to thank you guys. Um, we wanted to try something, you know, before service where we just enter that time of worship. Uh, you know, I think I've shared this with you guys a lot, a lot, a lot about um, worship and how we were created to. And just being in my own journey of my voice and identity and whatnot. And I just, you know, when I'm stuck in my head, which is quite often, and I'm the only one there, <laughs> and I'm talking really loud. <laughs> I'm using my voice inside there. Um, I just, like, I start to believe it. You know, I start to believe the battle, and I'm like, no. And then I start talking to myself and start proclaiming anything. You know, Jesus wept. I don't care. Like, it's in the Bible. I was gonna, I'm going to say it. <sighs> to change what's happening in here. To step into who I am. And that's what we want to do here. We want us to use our voice, to step into who we are, to step into what we carry. We carry power to change an atmosphere. We carry Christ inside of us. We carry him right here, and we can change anything. I can change the voice in my head. <laughs> and sometimes they're good stories. I'm like, I don't know if I want to leave the story, because <laughs> I was winning this one. Anyways, so... Um, just a reminder, next, not next, this coming Friday, thank you, there you are, um, worship night. We're having a worship night, prayer, worship, all the good things, and something that we really want to step into is what we kind of did today, is just using our voice, stepping in, changing an atmosphere, calling the things that are not as though they are, and believing it and walking it out, that's what we're looking to do on Friday. Um, we are going to have some worship, but I think eventually we want to get to a place where we bring our own worship <laughs> right here. Um, I don't know if this is scriptural, but um, there's something about, what is that thing about how your voice is a sweet-smelling aroma to God? Am I quoting that right? I hope so, because there's... <laughs> Praises. There we go. Thank you, Pastor. Um, because whew, when I'm at home, man, sometimes I'll have to stop, look out the window. I hope nobody's here because that's one of those things. You know when your kid is learning to play a, an instrument and you're like, that's great, and it's not great. <laughs> Sorry, kids. That's what I feel like when I'm at home worshiping the Lord. He's like, yeah, that's really great, Raquel. Anyways, um, we're doing that this Friday, so please come. Um, one of the things that we're trying to do is we're trying to do this as a body and step into something and create our own atmosphere. So we're kind of keeping it in-house. Um, just for us, we're going to be selfish for a little bit. We don't want to get anybody saved at that time. No. <laughs> just kidding. We're just trying to keep it in-house. And we want to learn to gel together, walk together, pray together, worship together, and make this our own safe place. Um, again, I think I've shared with you guys you know, I say thank, but I have. I've shared it with you a lot. <laughs> it's for my own benefit. Um, I never would speak, like, when it came to prayer, and they would say, you know, you want to pray? No. We were at a church one time, and there was a prayer group going, and I was praying in the corner. I was speaking into a chair, and I was really low. <laughs> and this pastor walked in, and he's like, I don't hear anything going on. I need to hear your voices. And I was like, oh, no, he didn't because you don't tell me about my relationship with God. It's personal. <laughs> I got so self-righteous. Anyways, um, learning to use my voice. Um, I printed out these 
prayers and declarations, and I started there, and I just started to get the courage to say them out loud. And I remember I brought a whole list of them. Remember Marilyn? Marilyn was like, you even laminated these things. I did. <laughs> and it, it's, you know, when you're so stuck in your head, it's hard to sit around, even if you're just reading something and proclaim it with all these people here. That's just my story. You guys may be like, I can do it all the time. Man, I love that. I'm just telling you my journey. We just want to step into using our voice and creating a place of worship and worship our Father. Um, sorry, I think I lost, I lost my track. Anyways, we're having a worship night this Friday. 7 o'clock, be here. Um, am I missing something, Pastor? Oh. Um, <laughs> Pastor. There's Pastor. Let's ask him. Um, tithe and offering. Um, you know, we've been trying to just change the lingo of tithe and offering, and, you know, you got to pay your tithe or you'll get a flat tire or... You know, God will send a bolt of lightning. That's not true anymore, Chris. It's not. So, <laughs> so we're asking for you guys to just partner with us, um, to pay the bills, to keep things going. Breakfast is awesome. Them lemon seed poppy. Have y'all had them lemon seed poppy muffins? Oh, sweet. Gee, that's when you know. If you're in doubt of God, have a lemon seed poppy. Muffin. He's here. He lives. He's for real. So please, tithe and offerings, partner with us with that. Um, I don't know the number, but Sarah does. Sarah knows everything. It's up there. If you want to know anything about your life, Sarah is the person to talk to. Um, and kids. Are we ready for kids? No. Oh. Yes, we're ready. <laughs> Kiddos, would you please stand up and... Your amazing teacher, Lydia, she baked y'all some fresh muffins. She has fruit cups ready for y'all. She's going to read y'all a story and cuddle. <laughs> um, yes. So here's Pasta. I do want to say that this, um, this message that he's going to share, it was a pivotal part of our life. Um, was we got saved again at that point. And um, it really changed a lot of things for us, um, opened a lot of things in our eyes and or opened our eyes to a lot of things and said it wrong, backwards. Um, and um, yeah, and we started this journey and so here we are. Don't know where we're going exactly, don't know exactly how we're going to get there, but we are on a journey, that's for sure. Amen. Amen. So here's Pasta. Stop, stop. Ah, Raquel, I love you so much. But then again, I have picked on her for 30 years of ministry, every chance that I got, all for truth. Um, uh, before we get started, um, this is Chris Valentin's book, uh, Spirit Wars. Is there anybody here that has not read it that would like to? Uh, Eric, you don't have it yet? Sarah, could you grab this to Eric? Yeah. Um, this book, uh, if you, um, you know what, I got another one. Does anybody else want to read it that has not read it? Helen, there you go. All right, there we go. Um, it's an easy read, but this book radically changed my life, and this was part of the catalyst uh, that led me into my freedom, or I should say the journey of freedom. Um, 
And um, I just, I, I really can't stress the importance enough. And I know uh, I've asked y'all for two weeks now to pray uh, for today. It was supposed to be two weekends ago, and then we forgot about Mother's Day and whatever. No, um, I, I don't know, I don't have an agenda. Uh, I don't have a stopping point. I've got a message that I'm going to take absolutely um, whatever's necessary to convey it. Um, if that takes four Sundays or ten, I, I, don't, I don't care. There's nothing to me that's been more important in my life than what I'm about to share with you. And I, my prayer is that I can convey what he has done in my life. Trouble is in the house. How you doing, brother? That's my friend over there, Trouble Carter. Yes, that's his real name. It's on the birth certificate. It's a whole story, but he's my friend. And uh, thank you for being here, brother. Is Essence here with you? Oh, okay. Beautiful little daughter named Essence. Y'all be sure and get a handshake from Mr. Carter. He is uh, he's an amazing individual. Um, so I, uh, I want to tell several points um, of what happened, what was going on. And there's no way that I can do this all in one setting unless we did a, a Moses thing and, you know, John and Ryan could come hold my arms up for six hours. But knowing them and the jokesters that they are about my height compared to them, they would probably pick me up, <laughs> swing me around a little bit. I think I just gave them an idea. <laughs> anyway, um, I have several um, things that uh, I'm going to lay out. I'm going to give several definitions. I'm going to dive into some scripture. I'm going to tell some story. I'm going to give you part of my testimony. And my prayer and hope is that I can truly convey to you what changed my life in the most radical way that I've ever known. And so, Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that, that, uh, that you would uh, help me to convey. Holy Spirit, I ask you to reveal the Father's heart because that's your responsibility in Jesus' name. Um, I have a, a wonderful friend that helped me out and typed this out for me on a note because I just didn't get to do it. And so I have a, um, I have a, cap, a, a note that I can text to you or airdrop to you or whatever that will give you some of these definitions that I'm going to run through. And I'll ask you at the end of the service so I can get that to you if you want. Um, uh, freedom is an amazing thing. Amen. I do believe... Um, that we here in America uh, don't quite realize the value of our freedom, uh, but that's not political or, you know, Gen Z versus millennial. It's none of that stuff at all. It's just I, I think that we don't understand uh, a lot of what's going on around the world and, and to understand the freedom that we really have. Um, and let's not take it for granted in our nation, but especially not in our spirit, in our life of who we are. So I'm going to give you some definitions here um, to start off with. Freedom is the quality or the state of being free. It is the absence of coercion or constraint in choice, excuse me, or actions. 
It's also not, not being uh, determined by anything beyond its own nature. I thought that was pretty cool. So freedom is that I am not, I am not determined by anything other than my very own nature. That means I get to do what I want to do. Does that make sense? That means that nothing controls me or forces me. Does anybody in here like being forced to do anything? Right? You just heard her when she said, man, Pastor Fred Forche walked in the room. Man, it sounds like a Baptist church in here. Y'all ain't even praying loud. I knew her thoughts before she did. You know, one, she's Raquel. Two, she's Chicana. You don't, you don't do that. Anyway, um, so that's, those are a few, def- few definitions of freedom. A captive, right? A captive is someone or something that is taken and held, enslaved, or dominated in any form. A captive is something that you catch, right? Uh, and you hold it against its will. A prisoner is someone or something that is confined or deprived of liberty or restrained. Um, so captives are caught, prisoners are held. It's kind of an easy way to break that down. Um, belief, the word belief. You know, I asked you, what does belief mean? And most of us probably have a pretty good, pretty quick definition. But uh, this is what I have is, uh, to believe in something is to have absolute confidence and assurance in the truth, the existence, or the reliability of something, even if you don't know the facts. Right? Oh, he would never do that. You know how many people today think the earth is really flat? Do you know they base that off of several Bible passages? I don't know if you knew that. Now, I'm not mocking them. I don't believe the earth is flat. I full on believe that it is round. But they don't have any proof other than than a, a scripture that, in my opinion, it, it, it's, it's, it's taken out just a little bit. And, you know, you can watch ships go in the, in the, around the coast or down the, um, around the plain. I forget what you call it now. I'm not a sailor anyway. Uh, but you can watch the ships just disappear over because it's round and on and on. But, man, they believe it, right? You ever believe something? Have you ever been in that place where you're like, oh, they would never. Oh, I would never. Peter found himself there one night. Lord, I would never, never betray you. He says, Peter, you're going you're to deny me three times. I would never do that. And what happened? First time, nothing. I mean, he did it, but I don't think he really caught it. Second time, nothing. And then the third time, you hear the rooster crow. You ever been there? You know, believing something is the power of our life. Believing something is the absolute power that you and I walk in and out of every moment of our life. I'm not even talking old school AG where, you know, well, you got to walk it out every day. No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about living it every moment. Do you know that your belief system even works while you're asleep? It, 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 it's amazing how it works. Last definition I'll give you right now is truth. 
You know, you ask some people, what's truth? Donald Trump. <laughs> right? Uh, no. Truth is that which agrees with final reality. Whatever agrees with final reality, that's what truth is. Does that make sense? Somebody can tell you, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you, and then the reality comes out that they betray you. Yeah. So we have these definitions uh, that are going to play a, a crucial part into understanding about freedom, right? Um, let me say this, uh, that freedom for you and I, for human mankind, uh, came to us at the cross. That is where our authority, our, our right to step back into the inheritance as a child of God, that's where it came back to us. We had the right, right there. And we'll see that in the scripture later. And at that moment, from that moment on, freedom was available for every aspect of everybody's life, 1,000%. There was no differentiating between a little freedom and a lot of freedom. No, no. The freedom that God gives, that Christ gave, that Holy Spirit reveals, is 1,000%, the absolute most freedom that you could absolutely understand. And that's the catch. It's what can you understand. It's what can you and I step into with our capacity of understanding. Your 10-year-old may know math. He may have an understanding of math. That doesn't mean they can do calculus. Now, I know Elise, I know she can. She's like this super genius or something, I think. J.D., you can pay me after service. Um, does that make sense? It's what is your capacity to understand and to step into. So I want to start by laying a, a foundation. There's going to be some, several points that we jump into. We're going to understand about purpose. We're going to jump into reconciliation. And we'll jump into freedom and the course of this world. I'm going to give you a real quick, real quick five-minute synopsis, if you will. Because I don't know, I know there's some people that are leaving uh, next weekend to go to the SOK graduation. Shame on you. I mean, um, I'm sorry. Um, no. I, 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 I need to get this out. It, I need to get it out. I don't know if everybody can be back next Sunday, but I, I want to give you in a nutshell um, what it is. And then I want to dive into and give you the tools to jump into your freedom that is waiting on you. You may be one of the freest people in this place, but you are not there yet. You are not at the thousand percent capacity, and none of us will be until we get up there face to face or here face to face with him, whichever. Victoria's eschatology, I know we're, we're learning it. So I'm going to bring a board up here in a, in a minute, and, and, and I've kind of done this drawing to help kind of lay it out and, and I'm, I'm a verbal, I mean, a, I'm a verbal processor, but I'm also visually, uh, um, I visually learn. So it kind of helped me. I, I hope that it will help you. So we're going to dive into our purpose. And, and if you've been in this house for any length of time, then you definitely know about purpose and identity 
in, in, in learning who you are in Christ, right? And so to cover some of that is super important because you were created one way. And the only people that were actually standing on this earth exactly how they were created was Adam and Eve. Think about that for a minute. The exact way that the Father created them, they're the only ones that were on this earth physically in that same form, in that same manner. Every one of us, every single person on this earth, you were created one way, but you were born in another. And that's not your fault. Does that make sense? I know that I get around some folks from up north, um, and they laugh about my speech because I'm a good old country boy from Texas. Yeehaw! Why is that a thing? Why is that? Because I was born down here. Why do I have blue eyes? Because my dad and my grandfathers and grandmothers had blue eyes. Why, 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 why all these things? That's what we're going to dive into. I, I feel like if there's one thing that we have just simply beat and beat and beat in this house is identity. And that's because it's that important. You do not have a choice where you're born, when you're born, who you're born to, the environment you're raised in. You don't have any choice, decision, what you are taught. You don't have anything to play into any of those decisions that actually guide and actually set you in place with your thinking, with your mindset, with your actions, with the steps that you will take. You don't have a choice of any of that until you get up to a certain age, right? When I was four years old, there's a picture of my Papa Atkinson. That is my mom's dad. That's the one that I tell you all about, that he was five foot four tall and he was five foot four wide. <laughs> I'm not joking. He wore a size 80 pants. And he looked like that old Willy Wonka movie when that little girl blew up round and you could roll her around. The Oompa Loompas rolled her out. That's what my papa looked like. Right, Kevin? Man. <laughs> Poor papa. I was four years old. My grandfather, um, he'll tell you he is not an alcoholic, or he would tell you that, but he drank a full case of Lone Star beer every single day. Every single day. 24 beers. Started around 5, end around 10.30. We had to rotate the beers from the, you know, you had to take the ones that were in the garage, the case, and go put it in the fridge in the garage Take the one that was in there, pull it out, take it to the fridge in the back of the house that was inside, and then you took that one out of there, and you took it up to the kitchen, and you put those beers in the fridge, and you always put one up in the freezer, because he liked to let it sit there for about 15 minutes in the freezer, and then he'd put a little salt on it. It's the nastiest thing in the world, man. That's just, I'm sorry, that's just stupid. <laughs> to drink 24 beers a day not for one year, not for a portion of my life. I was born when he was in his 50s. 
And he did that until he died. Anyway, so here I am, four years old. There's a picture of Papa holding Chris. I'm the first grandkid. They loved me more than all them other ones over there. And I'm sitting here, and he's holding me. And what is he doing? He's pouring me in my mouth a sip of Lone Star beer. I had my first drink when I was four years old. In that part of my family, drinking was normal. It was also disastrous. We grew up farming, and we grew up working hard. We grew up with some prejudice. I grew up in a pretty, pretty racist family, and my friend Trouble over there knows all about it. Uh, him and I and another friend of ours sat down and did a whole round table two years ago on the topic of racism. It's on YouTube on our channel, and uh, we're trying to figure it out, right, because we want to change the world. But my world growing up, that was all the rage. You ever seen any of those shows where they, you know, the, the KKK will bring their kids out and they got a five-year-old sitting up there saying all, do you think that that kid made the choice to say that or to think that way or to wear the outfit or to do the things? He didn't have a choice in that. He was taught that. He was put in his head. It was ingrained in him. And so he grows up thinking a mindset of a certain way that he had no choice in, and it's wrong. And somewhere in life, he's got to come to the point to find out what his purpose is, that it's not to hate, but it's to love. I had to come to a place in my purpose where I understood that I was not this, but I was meant for that. For me, it was rejection. Now, I had a great family. I really did. They're good. They're good. They're good. I tried to think of another thing to say. <laughs> They're good. They're, it, you know, and, and please, I've said this before. Um, I've tried to find a way to say this differently where it doesn't um, affect them in a negative way. And, and I, I don't know how except to tell them that if, they are, if they're watching this or they see this or whatever, you know, man, I love you guys. I do. There's no animosity. There's no anger. There's none of that. There's not. Um, my mom and dad were 19 and 17 when I decided to come into the world. See, there again, I made a choice, right? I made a choice to, to you know, come in before they ever graduated high school. And I came in and I found out later because of words that were said specifically to me. They told me directly that I ruined their lives. They told, looked me dead in the eye and told me, you ruined my life. I could have had something done to you. I heard those words at 12 years old. And all of my life, we were hard workers, man, my family, um, My brother, he's the special. He's the one they love the most. I was the black sheep because I started going out with a Mexican. In my family, on both sides, we learned how to work. Whether it was down here learning, you know, farming, after school, I, had, I was the first grandchild, so at seven years old, I had to go to work after school whenever I would finish up my homework 
Hey, get up there and clean the onions at the shed. Hey, start counting mustard or whatever. The weekends, hey, you're going to Papa's house Friday night, and there we were, 6 o'clock in the morning, waking up, and we'd work all day or whatever. And that's how it was. And the thing in my family is if you didn't work, you were lazy. You were worthless. You didn't get the accolades. And my mom and dad were so busy trying to live life, trying to survive in their early 20s. They didn't know nothing about being parents. They didn't know. They didn't know how to instill purpose in me. They didn't know how to instill the mindset that I would need or the, the way of thinking that I would need to be a man or the way that I need to think to be who God made me to be. It wasn't even on their radar. And that's okay. Mom, Dad, I love you. You didn't know any better. I get it. I'm good, right? Because I got this Mexican girl over here that... Ta- no. <laughs> I had to rub it in a little bit, right? But here's the thing. All my life, nothing was ever good enough. I was a straight-A student for many years. I actually had a full ride to the, uni- the University of Texas. Hook them horns. I was going to actually go straight out of high school. The next following week after graduation, I was going to go right into the Marine Corps. I was going to do six years, get out, take my scholarship. Um, I wasn't an idiot, right? Um, But all my life, you're never good enough. Nothing you ever did was good enough. You would do the best amazing thing, and they would say, well, I mean, you could have done this. And I remember an example uh, we're in the field working, and we're actually picking, uh, we were picking corn, and we would have these bushel boxes. They're just little paper-thin slats with wire around them, and we, uh, you know, everybody would carry two at one time. Well, here I am. I'm about 10 or 11, and uh, um, I got to where my grip was good enough. I could grab four in one hand. So I pick up four and four. I got eight. And I'm walking. Of course, my fingers are screaming, stop. And I get over to the pile. I set four down. I set the other four down. And there's my papa. Look at that little SOB right there. Now, he's saying it that way, but he meant it with all this affection and all this, yeah. And he said, yeah, that's my boy right there. Showing all you blank, 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 how to do it. Blank, 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 blank. I learned how to cuss when I was three in English, Spanish, and Italian. Yes. And I remember that moment. I remember when I was only nine years old. Anybody know the food town at Little York in 45? Yeah, you know that food town? So that used to be a wine gardens, and then it was an H-E-B and now it is food town. When it was H-E-B, we used to deliver there. And I remember at nine years old, we had this big Chevrolet truck that had a, a massive box bed on it. It was a dually one ton, and, and it was a stick. He had the old grandma gear with the 454 in it. And I was already driving tractors and all this stuff. I would drive the truck in the field, but we get there, and my Uncle Mike jumps out of the truck in the front of the store. You had to go in the front and then drive around the back. And he said, hey, you're going to drive this truck around the back and back it up to the dock. And he jumps out the truck and he takes off. Left it running, left it in, in, uh, in neutral. And I went, 
man, I'd jump in that sucker. But I knew I could do it. So I used both feet, grab the steering wheel, put your clutch in. First gear, I ain't going to no grandma gear. First gear, let out real slow, boom, and I drive. Here I am driving that big old sucker. I go down around the corner, and, it, it, you know, I get around there, and I back up. I was doing awesome. They raised the door, and there's Uncle Mike standing there. Slams on it, bam, 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 all right. And I stopped the truck, kill it, and I went in there, and I went inside there, and all the guys in the produce, there's like 15 guys, the managers, they're all standing there. And I come up, I jump on the dock, and I, all these people are looking at me. My eyes get big. I'm first, you know what I'm thinking is what I do wrong. And he says, look at that little SOB. Wham, he hit me. He's that's my nephew, boy. Look at that. Can't none of y'all drive like, man, he just took off all these accolades and talking about how good I did. And that's what my life was like growing up. When you did good, you got an accolade. When you, well, most of the time. When you did something extraordinary like that, nine years old, driving a one-ton dually, right, like that, and backing it up. And... But on the everyday, nothing was ever good enough. It was always something more you could have done. And it developed in me a mindset that I had no clue of, that I had to work and do better. I had to be the best. I had to excel in order to get affirmation. I didn't even know what affirmation was. I thought they were cussing at me. You know, I didn't, I didn't know what those things were, but something inside of me was driving me to do more, to do better, to be the best, so that I could get this thing inside that I was longing for that I had no clue of. But it also did something else in me. See, I didn't know my purpose, and I had this vision of my, my eyesight was that of rejection. My eyesight was that of I got to do something to be loved. I got to do something to be accepted. And it created this, this pattern in my life where I was always striving to do something. Had that grabbed together with a pretty high moral compass, I, I saw what drinking did, and I wanted no part of that. It destroyed my family. Um, it did, really. Um, it was just the ugliest thing around. And I don't drink today for two reasons. It has nothing to do with, well, Jesus said, no, that's, sorry, that's not true. I don't drink today because, number one, uh, I despise the destruction that alcohol brings to people. But the second thing is, is I am never going to be in a place where my faculties are not there. I'm never going to willingly put myself in a position where I don't have all my wits. So I don't drink. You can offer it if you want. I'm not going to be offended or whatever. I don't think you're stupid if you drink, like Proverbs says. I'm sorry, I don't think that. <laughs> I don't. I truly don't. We were taught about honor, and your word is your bond. And, and so all of this work ethic rejections platform combined with a high moral compass, um, I saw a ton of adultery in my family, um, and I knew it was wrong. And that is why 
Even though I had opportunity, I never went down that road. I've never been with another woman. This is my wife. This is my woman right here. Been together 34 years, and that's it. Before her, there's nothing else. I've never, never tried. I've seen drugs a couple times. I've never tried them. I, I don't even know certain things. Somebody's burning leaves around here. And, of course, the other people will be like, man, they know. Yeah, it's weed, all right. The joke used to be that I was, Raquel, what was that? Because <laughs> in her family, that was an everyday thing. But we're not going to go there just yet. But we will. <laughs> See, my purpose was denied and blocked to me because of my environment, because of the mindsets. And what happened in a nutshell is I got saved at 17 years old. We got saved. We walked the aisle and said the prayer at another church. And we got on this course of life with God. And um, we were never at a place in our capacity to see and understand and I, uh, the greater things. And we were stuck in this, this mindset of religion where uh, you better not wear a mohawk. You better not get, you can't have tattoos. Are you crazy? Look what Exodus says. Right? Excuse me. Um, you definitely don't drink because not only then are you stupid, then you're also going to hail. Right? That's what they used to tell us, right? Uh, and, and all the things that created this, this religious, pious, work ethic thing you want to call it. And in 2017, early February, I think it was the second day of February, I came under the worst... Uh, spiritual warfare that I have ever witnessed in my life. I've been around a long time. I've seen a lot of crazy, stupid things. But I began to see things. You know, you want to say in the spirit realm, you want to say demonic, whatever it was, it was demonic. I would begin to hear voices, uh, horrible nightmares and dreams. And it was the worst absolute thing that I'd ever been in in my life as far as my inner person and my thoughts. And the reason that that was happening is because I was about to step into my destiny or the beginning of it, rather. And um, these thoughts and these visions were, were a lot about our past and stuff. And I couldn't find a way to talk to Raquel about it uh, and I struggled with that for six months, uh, or February, March, April, May, June, July, so five months. And it was July the 4th in 2017. We're in right here down the road, 1488 State Park. We're walking, and I just couldn't take it anymore. And I, I start to tell her that I'm, these are, this is what's happening to me, and I don't know what to do. And she had already been pressing in and seeking the Lord about some other things that were leading, leading in that direction. And man, she had this beautiful response and man, we went home and that was a Tuesday. And I know because July 5th was a Wednesday night, we we're right back there in that room. And I taught, um, out of Psalm 91 
And um, we got home that night, and we're sitting there talking. This is back on the farm. She's on that side of the kitchen. I'm on this side. The microwave is right here, and I can see that it's 1.04 in the morning. And, um, and this has, what I'm about to say, has no bearing whatsoever on Raquel. It was all on my mindset. And I'm sitting there on this, on this uh, bar stool, and I'm telling her, I'm trying to sum up what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking. And I said, you know, really what I, what I think is it, it is I've just never had full assurance of your love for me. And as soon as I said those words, it's like time stopped. And I saw so much of my life flash before my eyes. In my mind, I could see like a fast movie that just took off. And I saw all these moments in my life where someone was rejecting me or the whole, I could have had something done to you and this and that. All these things, they flashed through my life. And at the same moment, I felt this amazing warmth on my back, like if somebody just laid a heavy Carhartt jacket on me, the best jackets in the world, like they laid it on me. And as that's happening at the same time, it's almost like, like the weight of that jacket, the heat of that went through my body and I could feel like, like arms coming around me as this is all playing in my head. And I hear right here on my left, I hear in my ear, he says, Chris, it's not her. You've never had full assurance of my love for you. And in that moment, everything that I thought I knew was washed away. And I stood there. She came around and pushed Holy Spirit out of the way. and <laughs> She grabbed a hold of me. And my life was so changed because my mindset was broken. And I knew the truth that I'd been lied to my whole life. It wasn't anybody's fault. They didn't know any better. I can still feel it. <laughs> I can still remember the seeing the clock go from 104 to 105. And my life has never been the same. And it's not perfect. But I am on this road of learning who I am and what my purpose was and how my destiny was meant for me. And that I have a father that loves me no matter what. And that, yeah, I'm going to mess up and I'm going to screw up and I'm going to fall down and fumble, but he's right there to pick me up and let's learn on the way. And now today, uh, I stand here with so much understanding of what happens in this life. And in a nutshell, hey, John, can you grab that board for me, please? If, can you put it up here for me? If you can. Um, you see, you and I are created. We're created before the foundations of the world ever happen. And that stuff will wipe off, so. Thank you, John. I did this five years ago with a big old four by eight piece. Kevin, Ronnie, is that good? 
I don't know if y'all can see that. You're definitely able, you're welcome to come take pictures afterwards if you want. I don't know, you may think it's silly. I mean, I know it's not Zoe's level of art, but it's okay. <laughs> so here is what happened, and we're going to dive into all of this, and I'm going to show you what I have learned about how to find your destiny, how to find your calling. I'm going to show you what I've learned about how to fight. I love to fight. I don't like spiritual fighting, but I love to fight. But So there is this piece of existence, and some call it eternity past and eternity future. It's just eternity. And you were created before the foundations of the world. Before he ever said, let there be light, he created, he figured you out. He designed you specifically for you to be used and to walk in this life to bring him glory. That's what happened with you. And so then he says, let there be light. And this is the earth, you can tell, right? And this green line coming out, this is life. This is life in the garden. This is life the way that God himself designed it and planned it out for Adam and Eve to begin to create, to begin to move and, and have dominion over the earth. And of course, this black dot is when they fell from authority. They didn't fall from God. They fell from their authority. At this point, mankind, Adam and Eve, have full authority over the entire earth. They have the keys to the kingdom. And when they fall, their nature shifts and their authority is given away. That's what happened. And so now, at the time, I've, I've got system of darkness down here because right now it's a system of darkness. Back then it was a kingdom of darkness because Satan was the king. But now he's dethroned and he has no power so there is no kingdom of darkness. There is a system of darkness. Thank you, Dub Alexander, for that. And so this is a, an area of time that also always is from the moment that they rebelled against God. You can read all about that in Genesis. And so our life still happens. Yes? You're still born. I've dotted the line to show a break in your life pattern because after the fall, you're born into this world without that authority and without that nature. Does that make sense? Are you with me? And then you hit the cross. And freedom, Braveheart moment. Right? So we have this moment where we come to Christ. And at that moment, your life is now fully connected. This line here represents your created destiny of how and who He made you to be. You with me? That is not here. Because you and I are not born walking in that full capacity. But what happens is you get saved and you're instantly connected back to this identity. But you don't have the full capacity and authority of understanding it. Does that make sense? 
And so as you walk your life, Holy Spirit gets in these moments and they're, they're opportunity moments for you to grow, for you and I to step in. Mine was one of the greatest ones of my life was July 5th, 2017. And that moment, that night, when I said those words to her and he spoke to me, I received that. I accepted that. I could have very easily said, whoa, and rejected all of it, right? But I did not. I stepped right on into that. And what happened in that moment is my life now takes a step, it takes a journey closer to my, to my created identity. Because I have stepped up from where the, what I thought was freedom, the, the, the level of freedom that I understood, I stepped up into that. He shows me an opportunity to, to go farther and deeper, and I stepped into that. And so now I get closer to my created identity, and, and I level out, and I'm learning, and I'm learning, and I'm learning, and I'm learning, and then I get to another spot where he says, hey, Chris. I want you to see this. No, I don't want to, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see Okay. He may start that right here. But I may fight against the goads. Might have a Saul moment, right? And what, is, what does the Holy Spirit do? He says, hey, okay. You know why? Because he's not a violator. He's not a violator. It's not, he, there's no possible way that God actually can do anything negative. And so he says, okay, okay. You're not ready for that yet. Do any of y'all let your, do you let Remy shoot your AR-15 by itself? No. Are you going to let Roger and Jackson hold Roman candles and Look at Ryan, he's like, man, you're dumb if you think that. <laughs> Why? Are they his kids? Absolutely. Are they strong and running and active? Absolutely. They, could, could, they, could they probably do it? You seen them boys? I can see, I can see Roger. Hey, Jackson, look at this. <laughs> They're not ready yet, Right? So what's going to, Ryan's going to maybe hold it with him. Let me hold it with you. He's going to hold the other arm of the other, right? You know, until they get to the place where then they can start fighting with him. Right? But until that moment comes, it's on a plateau, but that moment comes and Holy Spirit shows us and we say yes. And we go a little closer, a little closer to our created identity, to your created purpose. Does this make sense? Let me say what I believe to be one of the most important things. And I'm going to redeem this saying from someone that betrayed Raquel and I in the worst possible way. For 27 years, I heard this man teach this stuff of what I'm going to tell you. And he betrayed us in the worst possible way. And I said, I'll never quote anything from him again. The Holy Spirit showed me, you know what? That was actually good because I told him that. And what the saying is, is this is what you were intended, this is how you were created, and this piece here is what you were intended for. 
after this, you were never intended to know evil by experience. Let me say it again. You were never meant to know evil by experience. Now, I know right now across the room and people watching, people listening, every one of us in here have had something traumatic in our life. Now, me, I never had, I was never violated or anything like that. But I still had massive issues that caused me to lie all the time. All these rejection things, it caused me to lie. I would lie in a heartbeat. And it still created something in me. But let me tell you right now, I will say this every service. Every service, I will yell this. I'm not going to yell it. I will scream this from the rooftops. You were never meant to know evil by experience. And some of you here or on the, on the screen think that something is your fault, and it's not. That is the thing that keeps you from your purpose. You were never meant to know evil by experience. Amen? Do you agree? Our God never said, hmm, I'm going to put this person in that family so they can experience all of this junk. That is a lie from the pit of hell. He doesn't violate and he doesn't force. Amen? This is why one of my favorite songs is Father's House. And there's that line, there's no shame. Just let that, leave it at that. I can't even do it unless I'm singing it. I'm not going to sing it. Shame is not from God. It's not from Him. You were never meant to know evil by experience. So let me read this. I'm going to go to... Um, well, we got to read some Bible verse before we end or, you know, we won't be. I'm going to read in the book of Ephesians um, in chapter 1. I can prove it to you about creation. Uh, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He has predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ himself according to the kind intention of his will. Before the foundations of the world, you were created. Let me give you one better. You already had every spiritual blessing before he ever said, let there be light. Does that make sense? This happened and it messed it all up. But that is the full capacity that waits for you and I to step into the revelation, the understanding. I got to come up with a new word because I think the young people don't like that word. They're going to do a princess bride on me and say, you keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Instead of revelation, we'll say the understanding. How about that? When you step into the understanding that I'm saved, I'm born again, or however you want to word that. That is the moment that your identity connects back with the Father. 
because you and I were created before he ever said, let there be light. We were created in Genesis 1, 26 through 31. Mankind was created in his image. And let me give you this one that really, really hits home. If you're here today and you're struggling with anything at all, when he created it all, he didn't just say it's good. He said it's very good. So look at this. You were created, designed, written out. You were, the plan was made. The blueprint for you were, was made before he ever said, let there be light. And then he creates this. And he says, it's good. It's very good. What I'm telling you is that you were very good before you were ever born. Does this make sense? Are you with me on this? You were already designed to be good and not experience evil in any way. Your design is very good. This was before the foundations of the world. You were made with details and much care individually. Um, man. For the sake of time, if go back and read Psalm 139 from verses 13 to 18, um, and you will see, and I'll bring some of this out next week, you will see the, the, how delicately, how thoughtfully you were created because he took his time, he sat down and thought, man, John is going to be, I'm going to have John this, 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 this. I am going to make Zoe to be able to work with him in this, 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 this. I'm going to make Marilyn this, 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 and, and, and on and on and on. I think he missed some things with Raquel, but that's okay. That's a joke. Pull the knife back. Not only were you made with much detail and care individually, you were also made for a specific action in life. Go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. This is, there's two verses here that, oh, I'm sorry, there's several verses here that we'll, we'll go back and forth on, but just now for the sake of time, um, in verse 10, and many of you probably already know this. In verse 10, he says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. See, when he created you, the reason he said it was very good is because it was very good. And he created you for specific works. Does that mean that God is a taskmaster? No. Quite the opposite. He wants to walk hand in hand with us, changing this world that had this happen so we can get it back to the kingdom that it's supposed to be. And you play a big part in that. It doesn't matter what you do, what you think. You know, in our worship, I love this church so much. You guys are absolutely amazing. We've got people who stand in front of the speaker and scream their guts out. We've got Laura's over here watercoloring 
during worship. <gasps> and I, know, I don't know what it is. She's already brought something over to Raquel and show her. And the last two or three that she's done, no joke, not exaggerating. What she paints in worship is exactly what the message is or what happens during worship. It's absolutely incredible. We got Eric over here who sometimes he'll dance with Rebecca or she'll, she'll I've seen her go up and grab him. No, you're dancing with me. And, <laughs> and, you know, there's this level of intimacy and worship that they have that is absolutely incredible. But today he says, get away, baby. I'm going to go lay down with the baby over here. And he's laying down on the floor with the baby and he's just absorbing the atmosphere of worship. And then I know I look, well, they tell me I look like a maniac when I'm up here. I don't care. I don't care at all. I don't, I mean, I've struggled with that for so long about my voice and my way of leading worship and all that. I struggled with that so long. And it was another one of these moments. I can tell you about it. It was one of these moments that my father pulled me up out of that mindset and that junk. So I do feel like I'm playing back in black by ACDC, but that's okay. <laughs> so funny, Raquel, you said, man, every time you get in a lead in worship, you're like you've been in a fight. <laughs> you don't want to hug me right now, I'll tell you that. But you see, and then some, some people will just sit there in their chair. Some people will stand there. Some people will just... Real quiet. Some people come to this altar. This isn't a bad place. This is a great place. I just worship. Some of the kids with their flags, some of you ladies with your dancing. What am I getting at is this is all a beautiful array of the different giftings in this house. You're all intricately woven different individually, but intricately together to create an atmosphere that shows the true heart of the Father with worship. That's why I love this place so much. You were all created for a good work. So the word right there, works, in the, Aram, in the Greek and Aramaic, it's ergon. And it, now check this out. You were created for good works. That word, works, ergon, it means business or employment or that which one individual undertakes. In other words... What do you want to put your hands to? Go do it. Go do it. Because you were created for... There's, there's a driving force in each of us to do something. Hers is art. Right? Yours may be something else. I'm, I'm going to quit picking on you. I'm going to go to this side. You know? What's that driving force? It, it, you know, I may love certain things, right? I, I love, man, me and my brother, we grew up building cars, and I love that, right? But even though I like to watch ballet with my daughters and all that when they were doing I'm not going to go dance ballet. It ain't my thing. Sorry. I'm not going to do that. It don't work that way, Right? So what is the thing that's driving you? Because there's a, there's, a, there's a written code, there's a program inside of you to accomplish certain things. What are your likes, your desires? Listen, not the things that your 
course of this life told you. Right? I'm talking about the other things. What is the secret inside of you that wants to come out? Because I will bet you that that's what you're called to create and do. It's time to find your purpose. Because you were created for good works, whether business, employment, or that which any you undertake. It's also any product or anything that is accomplished by hand, by art, by industry, or by mind. You see, for all these years, the mindset of church, the, 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 the institute of religion, if you will, has said, oh, no, 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 no. We don't do it that way. The first church where we got saved, I was ready to play on the, with the choir. They thought, oh, we don't do that here. We play no guitar in here. Ended up selling all my gear. I sold everything because I thought, well, man, God doesn't like that. How stupid is that? Was I being stupid at the time? No, I was misled and I didn't know any better. Right? I didn't know that my father is a good, good father that loves to hear me play guitar no matter what anybody else thinks. And that was not the place for us. But the mindset of religion says something else. There's people that used to get mad, you know, 15 years ago when this church was started, they would get mad because the whole band, I was the oldest guy in the band. Everybody else was teenagers and the way they would dress even, they would say stuff. They'd be out there goofing off out here. We used to have a basketball goal. They'd be over there goofing off and some of these wonderful believers would come and say, hey, Pastor Chris, you need, you need to tell them. That's what I sounded like. We used to have this other couple that, man, oh, Lord, bless this woman. They would sit and, and we would start playing and, and they'd be in their chair and she would do this at the sound booth. She'd go. You'd walk back there. You need to turn that down. I'm letting all of them go by real quick. Because <laughs> there's a good one in here. It's coming. I just, I need a second. Oh, wait, there's a bunch more. <laughs> oh, there it is. They belong somewhere. Somewhere special is just for them. And they found it. And it is not here. My point is that we're all different. Everybody's different. Everybody's got their strength, their weakness. What we're trying to do at CORE is develop this community to reach the kingdom however and whatever that looks like for you as individuals. To create here a place where you can learn your purpose, your identity, and you can break away from this stuff and move into this stuff. Does that make sense? Let me just wrap this up to a stop. I mean, I, I, it's so hard for me to stop. I don't know really where I'm going to do this, but let me, let me kind of get to a point here. The intent behind you is the most specific information of your entire existence. He made you. 
and he never meant you to know evil by experience. So why is that important? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with that. It's 1240. I'm going to end right there. But I'm gonna, let me tell you where else we're going to be going. I want to encourage you to read Psalm 91 and Isaiah 61. Those actually are my life verses. Um, there's a couple of others. Do y'all know that verse in 2 Corinthians that says we wrestle not, or I'm sorry, that, uh, that's Ephesians. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, rulers of wickedness in high places and all that, right? And he says, when you've done all to stand, stand therefore that you may, what? Know the schemes or the wiles of the devil. King James, right? The wiles of the devil. Schemes. Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, where he says, um, uh-oh, it went away. Oh, my lanta. Let me read this. This is going to be real important for you to carry, carry out of here. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Oh, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God. For the pulling down of strongholds, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing. You see, what happens in this right here, this system of darkness, what happens in your life before Christ is all those things are said and done to you, right? And those are all what Ephesians says is the course of this life. I'm going to show you that next week. The course of this life. You don't have a choice. We talked about that. And what happens is after the cross, for you and I, we begin to hear all the words. Right? Because they keep coming and they don't stop. Right? You ever been in that place in your life where all you hear is all the negative? Where all you hear is all the stuff, right? And, you know, we, we put so much value on the spoken word. We put so much value in our prophetic words. But the enemy will right there in a moment, he will say, oh, remember what you did? Right? Psalm 91 calls them fiery darts. Ephesians calls them fiery darts. And it's the process of thought from the system of darkness. And he just keeps going. And if you sit back, it will feed your soul, it will fill your life, and it will overtake you. It will build a stronghold. It will sit there. The thoughts of the enemy that come, and I'm doing that for a purpose, right? It's a little irritating to me. <laughs> but every thought that comes that you actually let it set, that is a building block in the spirit. It builds on top of the next one and the next one, and it keeps building. And you build up a stronghold of rejection to where everything you see, you think is, they're rejecting you. To where everything that you think is, I'm not good enough. And that was mine. I don't know what yours is. But if we will press in and go through these next few weeks, if you will press in with me on this journey, there is a promise from the Father that you and I together will step into a new level of freedom and understanding and we will see prison doors kicked open. We will see chains dropped from our feet and our hands. 
But most importantly, we will together drop the mindsets that have plagued you and I. Some of you in here today, you really think that something that happened in your life was your fault. We had a lady, never mind, I'm sorry. I'm going to do this. Um, Let me speak to the camera for a second so we can end that, and then we'll do something different here in the house. Um, If you're watching this, I want you to know, but he needs you to know that you are the most valuable thing to him. And what happened in your life, what happened to you did not create you. It created a way of thinking. It created a pattern that caused certain things to happen. And that's not your fault. That is not your fault. And so what I encourage you to do is to get into these scriptures that we're mentioning and spend time talking to God the Father and listen to what He says. Read what He says about you and know that you were never created to experience evil. And that negativity is not who you are. It's who the enemy wants you to stay being. And He loves you tremendously. And we pray for a break. We pray uh, for the lies to be shattered. We pray for a, an understanding, a new capacity of understanding for you to break open in your life in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.